Thank you for tuning in to the Hope Community Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. So today we have a very special guest speaking to us, uh, Michelle Harding from Church of the King in Easton, Maryland. Uh, Some of you know Michelle, uh, and uh, you know that when uh, Michelle has something and she's going to share it, uh, your ears tend to pick up. uh, Anytime she posts something on Facebook, anytime I see that she's speaking somewhere where I can tune in, I'm there. I want to hear what she has to say, and, and it was it's just an honor to have her speaking into this series, The Journey of a Hope Dealer, and she is going to be uh, talking about the word transition. So I hope, I hope you're ready. Grab your notebook, grab your pen or pencil, get ready to take some awesome notes, and uh, give your full attention to Michelle Harding. What's up, Hope Community Church? Happy two-year anniversary. I am so excited to be here with you, but first, I just want to take some time and thank Mick and Lindsay for asking me to be a part of you guys' two-year virtual anniversary celebration, and I just want to say, be encouraged Keep lifting Jesus. Keep pushing to make his goodness known. And I would just want to thank you guys. Thank you, Hope Community, for being a place that is a beacon of hope, that is putting on display the beauty of Jesus and the goodness of our Father. So thanks, guys. And again, happy anniversary. You're doing amazing. So my word, Rick gave us each a word. My word was transition. And for fun, I just decided that I was going to reach out to a few of my friends and just say, hey, what's the first thing you think of? When you see the word transition or you hear the word transition and the answers were interesting. And I think that probably as soon as I said it, many of you in the room probably also thought the same thing. Like immediately there's an answer that came up. And so I got everything from a welcome change to a new adventure to chaos and upheaval. And in between was kind of shift and move from one place to another, something new. And, uh, but the definition is somewhere along the lines of moving from one place, one subject, one matter to another. And that it's, it's basic, it's most basic definition is change. And it's a term that is used everything from music to education to childbirth, even death is a transition. So basically when you think about it, we come into the world through transition because our moms went through transition labor. And then when we go into the next then we transition from this life into the next life. And so transition is part of our beginning and part of our continuing on, so to speak. So everything in between is going to be filled with transition and with change. But what matters is how we navigate transition, how we approach transition, and how we define that for ourselves as we go forward in life. And so our Bibles, too, you know, they're full of transitions. Like when you look at Genesis chapter one and two, and then chapter three, there's a huge transition. We go from complete union in God, just oneness. Adam and Eve are in oneness with God. There's no broken fellowship. There's no broken relationship. Sin, what's that? To the, by chapter three, in chapter three, there's a fall. So it's a major transition that happens there. And then we continue reading into the patriarchs and we see transition after transition. Abram becomes Abraham and Jacob becomes Israel and my 
new transitions along their way, along their journey. So transition is is part of even the Bible. I mean, God transitioned. God transitioned from heaven and came to the earth and wrapped himself in flesh. And we, we call him Jesus. And then Jesus on the cross, his death on that cross transitioned all of humanity. And so transition is what the Bible is made of as well. And so our Bible gives us lots of examples on how to approach change and probably how not to approach change or transition. And so one of the ones that I'm going to highlight for us today is just going through and talking about how Israel navigated transition from slavery in Egypt to wandering in the wilderness to entering into the promised land because I think it's a really good picture of life and how we sometimes approach it. And we even get some pictures of how when we approach it differently, that the fruit is even a little bit different. And so the story of Exodus is the story of transition. And it starts out with um, Israel in bondage. They had been in Egypt about 430 years. They had been in bondage. Most scholars believe about 130 to 150 years they were enslaved and were helping to build the cities in uh, Egypt. And so um, we know that at this season, Moses gets raised up and Moses becomes the deliverer of Israel. But this transition isn't easy. Because there's the promise of freedom, but you got to get free. And so in between there is this transition from bondage to freedom. And it wasn't an easy transition. So Moses, Aaron, they go to the Pharaoh. They tell Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. Let them come and worship me. And so Pharaoh's like, uh, yeah, no, not happening. You know, um, I don't see that happening. As a matter of fact, um, I'm not just going to not let them go. I'm going to make their work harder. And so what he does is he takes the straw. They were allowed to mix straw and and mud and, and make bricks, but he stopped providing that. So if they wanted straw, some of the men would have to go and get that. But he also demanded that he give me the same amount of labor. And so even though that labor, they required the same amount of labor, they weren't able to produce it because half of them had to go gather straw. And so because they didn't produce, they were beaten. And so now this promise of freedom becomes a burden. It becomes a a matter of being hurt. It becomes an abusive situation. And so, of course, then the Israelites, they're mad at Moses because they're like, listen, You're hurting, we're being hurt over this idea. And so Moses goes to God and says, look, they're getting hurt for this. So in this transition from captivity to freedom, uh, what begins to happen is that there's these plagues that begin to come as God continues to send Moses and his brother Aaron, forgot to mention Aaron, to mention, uh, to, to bring forth Aaron and Moses to Pharaoh. And each time that he goes, Pharaoh says, I'm not letting them go. A plague is announced, and it happens. Moses and Aaron are called back. Pharaoh says, I'm going to let the people go. Then as soon as everything gets normal, he doesn't let the people go. So this continues on through 10 plagues, the final one, the ultimate one being the um, eldest son of every family, of every everyone in, in every um, Egyptian, even if they're in prison, or the king, and even their cattle, so even their animals, everything in the lands, firstborn, except for those who were of Israel, who had followed the instructions of the Lord, were preserved. And so when this happened, um, what happened was the people of Israel, by this time, uh, Israel, of Egypt, are ready. They want them to go. And so finally, 
they get to go free. Finally, they let them go. And so the Egyptians give the Israelites everything that God told them to ask for. And so as they're leaving, God tells Moses that he's going to take them to the land, the land of Canaan. And, but he doesn't take them the quick way, because the quick way would be go through the land of the Philistines. And instead, he leads them through the desert to get to the Red Sea, because God's concerned that they will see war and turn back to Egypt. And so he doesn't want them to go back to slavery. And so God is preparing them to lead them forward and to take them out. But as the Israelites were camping after they had left, they're camping and the Egyptians change their minds. Pharaoh changes his mind. He gathers his armies and he comes after them because he wanted his free labor back. So the army pursues them and they run into them. And we find that in Exodus, I want to pull that verse up. So as they're approaching, uh, the army's approaching, the Israelites see them. And so we can read the response of Israel. Now, here they are. They were enslaved. They're on their way to freedom. And now the enemy shows back up to threaten them and to take them back into bondage. And here's their response. When Pharaoh came near, so this is Exodus 14, 10 to 12. So when, ex- when Pharaoh came near, the people of Israel looked and saw the Egyptians coming after them. And they were filled with fear and cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the desert? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Did we not tell you in Egypt to leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? It would, be, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here. Transition can be scary. Transition can bring fear. The fear of the unknown. The idea that um, what is before me is worse than the condition I found myself is what they're facing here. And at times, transition can feel like death. Facing transition can make you think, hey, the devil I know is better than the devil I don't. But... As God made the path clear before them by parting the Red Sea, they moved forward and escaped on dry land. So once safe, the Egyptians thought, well, we're going to pursue them too through the Red Sea. And of course, the the Red Sea just crashed on the enemy. And now their enemy is wiped out. And so fear of pursuit, they are free. And so there's this struggle in transition of moving from one state to the other. There is struggle they struggled with the, and then they get into the um, the, the the desert because they have to cross through this desert to get to the reds to get to uh, the Jordan, and so they're crossing through and they're struggling again because now they're upset that there's no water and they're the lack of it, and then they they get it at Moriah and it's bitter, and so they struggled about not having food. Then they struggled with the lack of meat. They struggled with Moses's leadership. They struggled with his wife. They struggled when God dealt with their struggles. <laughs> This transition to freedom was not quite going the way they had hoped. Sometimes I think that we think that unless change is without obstacle or transition is without obstacle or without struggle, um, then it's not right. But see, in reality, part of transition is struggle. 
sometimes the reality of transition is to bring us to another kind of place. And so after traveling through the desert, they come to Mount Sinai. God gives them another opportunity to transition. He wants them to transition from being slaves and to having no relationship with him to having a relationship with God where he offers them the ability to become a royal priesthood and holy nation. But unfortunately, fear grips them again. They deny God's offer. Instead, they settle for having Moses represent them before God. Now, instead of relationship, they get rules, lots of rules. And they choose to worship God from afar like the Egyptians did, being represented by priests rather than being priests themselves. And see, by refusing to accept all God wanted them to have in this newfound freedom, they actually just ended up settling for another form of bondage because change and the unknown brought fear. But before they could even pack up and leave Sinai, Moses is up on the mountain, right? And so they're about to transition again. Okay, you have this covenant that you've settled for. And now we're going to move on to the promised land. Moses is up on Mount Sinai facing another transition. Moses has gone too long. So what do they do? They turn back to the old ways. They go back to what's familiar. They hearken back to their days in Egypt, their days in bondage. And what do they do? They begin to worship a cow. Basically, the golden calf, they just throw a big orgy. And it's like they're stuck right back in Egypt in their minds. They had left, but they were still thinking like slaves, still thinking like this pagan culture. They turned back to what was familiar. But it was now time to uh, head to their new destiny. And so God was transitioning them again. God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the land and so of Canaan. So they go. They get there finally, and they're about to transition. They send over 12 spies. Go, spy out the land. Those 12 go over. They stay there 40 days. They're spying out the land. They see it. They come back with the testimony. Hey, the land is flowing with milk and honey. There is grapes so large it took us this big stick with two men to carry them back. But what happens is the 10 give the report that this transition means we're going to face enemies. We're going to face strengthened cities. We're going to face fortified nations. There's giants over there. So we saw ourselves as grasshoppers and we know they will too. So again, transition is before them. And instead of them entering into the transition with fire and strength and ready, yes, with caution and wisdom, but knowing God is on their side, no, instead they draw back again. And because of it, they're sent wandering for 40 years into the desert. And so for an entire generation, they wander, except for two. There was a good report by, by Joshua and Caleb, and they give the good report. But because of that, an entire generation has turned back. Again, they don't get the transition. They turned back, and they live wandering in that desert for 40 years, dying right next to their promise. Canaan was just across the river, but they died right next to their promise because they would not leave the small-mindedness behind. They would not leave the negativity behind and press through and possess what God had for them. But there was a day that 40 years later, that it was time to move forward. It was time to transition. And this time with Joshua at the helm, Jesus, Joshua is a name for Jesus in Hebrew, at the helm, they following his command, doing what the father had shown him, following the Ark of the Covenant, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. They finally cross in and they transition. And guess what? Problems are still there. There is still things that come with transition. 
But the fear of change that it cost the previous generation was not going to cost the next generation this crossing over. So Israel is finally able to enter their promised land. Things shift again. There's another transition. The food that they got every day ends. The clothing they had been wearing that never wore out begins to wore out because transition marks change in life. So no longer are they following a cloud or pillar of fire. Now they're following the ark. And so the same enemies that were there 40 years ago still need defeating. The same cities still need to be taken. The same giants still need fighting. So why did I tell you all this? Because Israel models for us that transition is inevitable. Israel wasn't taken into Egypt as slaves. They were once celebrated and cared for because of Joseph, their ancestor. Yet, through time, they became enslaved. Each transition happened. Like it or not, those transitions were before them. Transitions presented themselves. It's what happens. But how those transitions were faced weighed all the difference in the world. And whenever those transitions were matched with fear, it revealed how much they were still in bondage to their old mindsets. Those who had grasped the promises of God, who knew who God was and knew who they were in him, like Caleb and Joshua, they were able to step fully into what transition offered them. And so in that stepping forward changed not only their lives, but all those around. See, transition happens. But will we see it as happening for us or will we see it as happening to us? Israel believed that it was all happening because of God doing something to them. But in reality, when Israel was going through their transitions, he was doing something for them. You see, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 21 to 23, and it says, So then no one is to be boasting in people, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. So why am I sharing this verse? Because I want us to see that when we have the mind of Christ, when we realize that everything belongs to us, like this verse says, that life belongs to us, then life isn't happening to me, it's happening for me. So transition belongs to me. Transition is something that is happening for me, it's not something that's happening to me. And so if we get this idea, then we start to understand, time belongs to me. So I don't serve time. Time serves me. I don't serve money. Money serves me. And so all things were created to serve Christ. And so we, as his servants, call these things. It's about not living under their authority, but instead understanding Christ's authority over them and seeing how even our trials, how even our transitions serve our destiny. And so I just wanted to make sure that uh, I got to share that part. We can't partner with fear. We can't be afraid to shift when it's needed. We can't be afraid to change when it's needed. Transitioning isn't transitioning happening to you. It is happening for you. It's preparing you for a new place and a new state. You see, when a woman goes into labor, she goes through three stages. The final stage is called the transition stage. It's the most dangerous, it's the most painful, but it's also the most productive. And the reason is, is because it literally feels like you're dying. But in that stage that precedes the birth of new life, and as this transition happens, that is actually preparing the baby to live. The baby goes from one environment, a fluid-filled, lung-filled environment, 
dependent, where everything is dependent upon the mother through the placenta. But as you pass through the birth canal, through that narrow place, that painful place where everything changes, like literally the baby skull that's so pretty and round in the mother's womb goes through the birth canal. It's like a sugar loaf that even the brain structure changes momentarily to pass through the birth canal. But as you're passing through, it's pressing the last bit of liquid out of your lungs to prepare you to take the next breath. Why? Because now you've got to prepare to live in the next place, in a new environment. See, that's what God does for us. Transitions help prepare us to go forward into the next place. They can be painful. They can be discouraging. There may even be things that rise up against you that don't make any sense. But the reality is, is that transition is here. Transition is for you. Transition is here to serve you and to serve the good of your destiny. Transition, remember this, comes to serve us, to bring us into a broader place, to bring us into a better place and into a broader space. So transition, bring it on but also bring the right mindset to it. And so I just want to thank you guys again. Have an amazing, amazing year. Happy anniversary, guys. Go and celebrate. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, check out our webpage. It's wearehopecommunity.com peruse some of the things that we got going on there. There's a blog, some more media. Um, there's a place to give if you would like to. Um, you can check out some other services that we have got. Um, but more importantly, we'd love to hear from you. And there's a place where you can just write a question, shoot us an email, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. You can also check out our Facebook page and our Instagram. Uh, you can connect to us, connect with us through those as well. But thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember that you are valuable beyond measure.